0: Give you an update on Patrick and Rosemarie. Rosemarie has had a bad week, and she has fallen down several more times. And so she, according to Patrick, she's black and blue from head to toe, and having some real difficult times with dealing with a lot of pain. So we really need to be praying for Rosemarie, and for Patrick. uh, He told me that it's been hard for him because uh, Rosemarie. Really can't do a lot for herself right now, and so he has to do a lot for her. So we really need to lift these two up to the Lord, and uh, and ask ask for some some healing there, and for some patience and help for Patrick. Uh, we we'll continue need to continue to pray for Patrice and her situation with her knee. Uh, there's issues with. Uh, the insurance company doesn't want to do this. The employer doesn't want to do that. The doctors can't agree on what needs to be done. And so we just need to pray that God intervenes here and that uh, everybody comes to one conclusion and that is that she needs some, some, uh, some surgery and she needs to get healed and then get back to work. So, and a paycheck and all the other things that come with it. So, so, <laughs> so we just need to pray for. Keep praying for Patrice, too. Uh, Anybody, any other prayer requests that anybody has this morning that they would like to share? Going once. All right. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 24 says "The God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So as we come here this morning, recognizing that all of you are here, to worship God. That's why a lot of a lot of places like churches call this a worship service, because you're here to worship. And we recognize that, according to what John says there, that in order to worship Him, you have to be doing it in spirit and truth. And so we know that uh, a lot of churches don't have all the truth. We've all come out of churches where uh, we we've, we've seen that a lot of things that they taught us was not biblical. And, uh, and so we just need to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters that are in the churches that, that the Lord would reveal the truth to them, that they might be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, if you're here this morning and, and uh, you have never made that commitment to the Lord, then we recognize that, according to John here, that it's very difficult for you to worship. Because you have to worship him in spirit, and that means that you need to have the Holy Spirit in you. So I'm gonna, so as we pray this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do as I pray is that you join me in praying for Patrick and Rosemary and for Patrice. And for those who uh, are brothers and sisters in the Lord who don't know the truth. All right. Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts for all of your countless blessings. We thank you even for the weather that's out there. And we know that you cause all things to work for good, and we know that there's a reason why we're receiving this cold weather and the sleet and the snow. We pray for those who are out there on the roads that you'll keep them safe. We lift up uh, Patrick and Rosemary. We thank you for the blessings that you have given them uh, and for just how you're taking care of them. We especially pray for Patrick's time with Rosemary, that you'll give him patience. You'll help him to accomplish all the things he needs to do to take care of her. And we pray for Rosemary, that you will help her to listen to him and to, to uh, stay in bed when she's supposed to stay in bed and do the things that, she, that she's supposed to do so that she doesn't fall again and hurt, or hurt herself some more. And we pray, Father, that you would put your hand on, on her, that you would heal her, that you would uh, cause the pain that she's in to go away, and that you would uh, bless them at this time. We pray for Patrice, and we ask for, for guidance for those who are dealing with her situation, for those that are handling her claim, and for their employer, and for the doctors, that they would all uh, come to one agreement. And that this issue would be resolved. It's just gone on for way too long. And so we pray that, that you would put your hand on this situation. You would intervene. And that you would bring this to a conclusion. We pray for Patrice and for the pain that she has off and on. And ask again that you would continue to be in her life. To, uh, to even now, even before the surgery, that you would be doing some healing in her leg and that you would uh, help her as she deals with the pain we pray for the service this morning Father we ask that you would bless those who are leading us in worship that they would truly help us to worship in spirit and in truth this morning we pray for those who are giving the messages this morning and ask that you would direct them in all that they say that their words may truly be your words We pray for each of us that you would open up our hearts and minds and our ears to hear your message this morning and that we might take it to heart as your spirit leads us and that we would be willing to listen to your voice this morning and then to acknowledge what you're saying to us and to do whatever we need to. So we commit this time to you this morning, Father. We ask that you would bless those that are our brothers and sisters in in you that your spirit would move in their hearts to reveal to them the truth that you have shown us that they may also come to that point where they can come and worship you in spirit and in truth So we give this time to you this morning we thank you for your countless blessings and we ask that everything we do this morning might be pleasing in your sight and we ask this in Yeshua's name Amen.
1: Need trial, turning out need grace. There is blessing in the battle, so take heart, and stand, don't waste. Rejoice when you cry to Him, He your voice. He you will wipe away your tears. Rejoice in the midst of suffering. He will help you see he rejoice. Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice. Come and your voice. To the Holy One, we sing. Lord, of Oh,
2: A prayer together with music and in unison. Amen. I want to say a real quick thing to all of you because we had more music to do, but as you can tell, we are having uh, sound system difficulties. We just raised the money for this sound system, and Chris Frankie uh, had to put this whole thing in yesterday. So the distractions that you're hearing, the problems that we're having today, um, it took one person to set. that we have up right now that's a lot of work it's a ton of work for one person and I know how hard this guy works for this church and how much he puts in to you guys and he he sacrifices a lot so I hope that despite those distractions you are still able to worship this morning Uh, we're not up here to put on a show I wouldn't be playing worship music if that were what we were doing we're here sing prayers together with music that's exactly what we're doing so thank you to everybody who came out in this gold thank you for enduring the distractions that we've just experienced and if you've got to feel the spirit of the lord at all then praise god all right daniel's going to do the first five now or we're going to bless the kids thank you thank you so much love.
3: Thirty of you who decided to uh, show up today and and uh, you know brave the weather, okay? Right? So we know who the faithful are. Um, for uh, for those who are still snuggled up in bed because you didn't want to scrape your windshield uh, this morning and and come out here in the cold weather, uh, in my best radio voice, this one goes out to you. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, this week, uh, I have the pleasure of doing the first five, and there's no assigned parasha reading, so I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about. So, uh, with that, I wanted to still keep it you know, with the theme of the first five and talk about a, a um, theme that we talked about a few weeks ago but perhaps to put it in a slightly different perspective or actually add on to that understanding, okay? And so, specifically, uh, we're going to talk today about the golden calf. Exodus chapter 32, okay? It says in verse 1, Now when the people saw that Moshe delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aharon and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moshe... The man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aharon said to them, tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aharon. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your Elohim, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aharon saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aharon made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Adonai. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Then Adonai spoke to Moshe, Go down at once for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your Elohim, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Adonai said to Moshe, I have seen this people and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. Now, there's numerous things that we can talk about in this. Okay, obviously, there's the mistake of creating an image in the first place of something. Now, we can, you know, break down what happened and talk about how, in creating a, a golden calf, how uh, Aharon was essentially playing to the role of a the strength of a bull. Okay. And, and talking about, this is the strength of the, the Elohim who brought you out of the land of Israel. And then we see, of course, the people saying, this is the Elohim that brought you out. And Aharon taking that and building an altar before it and saying, tomorrow will be a feast unto Adonai. So in Aharon's mind, they were associating the bull with Adonai as a representation and not necessarily as a different god. Okay? Either way, we know that this was all predicated on the fact that Moshe was up on the mountain for 40 days. And during these 40 days, we became impatient. No, we never become impatient. Yeah. Okay. We become impatient pretty quickly. Uh, My daughters, I mean, they only last about three seconds and then they start whining if they don't. Have something immediately answered. I've got one daughter who will sit there and literally say, Mom, 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 until like 30 seconds later, there's a what? Right? Because it's highly annoying. But there's no mom. Excuse me, please. Mom? No, it, it's just, it's constant impatience, right? And and that's what, you know, I mean, it's natural for children. And guess what, who was at the wilderness of Sinai? A bunch of children, right? Children of Israel, okay? So it's natural, but here's the thing. James talks about this. Now, he doesn't use it in these same specific words. But he relates it in such a way. What was Moshe doing on the mountain? He was getting... The law, the Torah, right? So we the people had already proclaimed our faithfulness to our king. He said, if you will be a, to me a holy people, I will be your king. And we said, yes, all that you have said we will do. And then Moshe went up and then he disappeared and then we got impatient. And we said, Moshe, 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 Moshe. Moshe, 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 Moshe. He's not here. Let's do something else. Hey, okay? James talks about this. In chapter 1, verses twenty-two through 25, it says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he was immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So, in that, he's saying, when you look at yourself, your image in the mirror, you're able to see, oh, I need to wipe that mustard off my chin. Okay? Or whatever the case may be, you're able to examine those things that you would be embarrassed had you walked out of the house with. The, th- the problem is, once you walk away, and you no longer have that mirror, Let's say you eat a meal and you get more mustard on that chin and you're unaware. Okay? There's the problem is that we're unaware when we're not gazing into that mirror to see what our image looks like. And this is what James is talking about. In the same way he says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. <laughs> you know, all that bondage, you know, that the law brings, right? Gosh, it's so restrictive. The perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man is blessed in what he does. So in the same fashion, we have basically James talking about the same story. What happened to the children of Israel as we were at Sinai? It was as if we had forgotten who brought us out of Egypt. And we got that confused. Because we were no longer looking in the right direction. And so what happened was we became impatient and made a poor decision. In the same way James is saying, here's how you continually look in the right direction. You continually look at that perfect law, the law of liberty. For through that law of liberty, you will become a doer of that law. And not merely one who hears it, everything you say we will do, but then doesn't do it. Let us not be like we have been in the past. Let us not make the same mistakes of forgetting what he has done for us and end up creating false ideas of how to worship him. Let us gaze intently into his perfect law, the law of liberty, and abide by it that we might become effectual doers of the word. Amen. Father, we thank you. For this time that you've given us today, and despite the weather, yet you have allowed us to gather together uh, and to encourage one another to be uh, iron sharpening iron for one another. And we thank you for the encouragement that fellowship brings. And even those who are viewing online, we thank you for their virtual fellowship with us. And may they be encouraged through this as well. Father, we ask that your hand would be upon us to be effective doers of your word, that we would not just be hearers, that we would not just give lip service, but that we would look intently into your perfect law, and when we do, become doers of your word, that we may hear from you on that day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your King. Father, we submit these requests to you today and we ask that you would be glorified in this place and in our hearts and in our lives. In the name of your son, Yeshua, we pray these things. Amen. And now it is time to bring the children up and to do the children's blessing.
4: Amen. These beautiful children bow your heads with me father on this sacred day in this sacred space and I just lift up these children to you Lord um, and you you know each one of them and I thank you for molding them in their mother's womb. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon them today of peace, peace, shalom and truth and protection. Lord, you love them with a love that is so sacrificial and captivating. I pray that they would live their lives in such a way to re-reflect that love back into the world. We thank you for each one of them. In your name we pray. Amen.
5: Shabbat shalom. Kids, don't get too comfy. I'm going to use you guys to illustrate a point here in just a little bit I often find that illustrations help us learn and help us visualize, we use the majority of our senses that way so today I want to look at the greatest commandment how we love others the way we love ourselves now this could obviously go a couple of different ways but judging by the picture that's back there there's obviously a gentleman who's looking into what is supposed to be a mirror, and the person that's looking back at him is supposed to be him, and he's fairly angry at him. And so I'm going to take the approach today that I actually do believe that we love others the same way that we love ourselves, And why I believe that that is a, a thing that we need to go back and change. Because, see, over the last... I've been in the Messianic movement since about 2007. We've seen various different fractions that break off. You first had the Messianic Jewish movement. Then you have Messianics. Then you have Messianic Israel. Then you have two house. Then you have Hebrew roots. Somewhere around 2011, Hebraic roots became a little bit more popular. Uh, Now you have the way is coming back. You know, it was around in the first century with the with the disciples, with the apostles, and now people are calling themselves the Way. Uh, and that's re-Israelites. I mean, the, the names go on and on and on, and just as many names as we have in this room. We now have for basically the same core-based teachings. A little bit of difference in the theology, but basically the teaching itself is is fairly identical. And so. This has caused us and the movement, Messianic movement, for, for that extensive purpose, to be like a ship that's going in an open sea during a storm. And sometimes we're on top of this wave and we can see everything and we're, we're, we're absolutely okay. And on other times we've now come down into the bottom of the wave and we're watching this other wave that's coming up. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my goodness. Are we going to be able to sustain this 100-foot wall of, way of water that's coming towards us? And all the crews standing on the deck, and they're just like, Oh, the waves are coming in. Oh, the waves are coming in. And it's like, is this wave going to be the wave that takes us out? Is this wave going to be the one that, that kills our faith, that kills our hope, that kills everything that's inside of us? That, and, and by the way, in order to even be in, inside this faith, you have to have a certain level of zeal, zealousness, you know, because there's a lot of denominations inside the Christian faith. There's a lot of fractions inside Judaism. And not all of them agree. Not all of them believe exactly the same way. Anybody who tells you that they do has not done the research. Because they just don't. That's why there's Orthodox and Reform and Conservative. That's why there's secular Jews. It's the same way as there's Baptists. There's, there's Pentecostals. There's Nazarenes. There's now Messianics. Messianic Israelites. Hebrew roots. Christian roots. Uh, something other roots coming, you know, we're just going to be roots, 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 roots. So we're going to go back to the 90s when I just had dark roots, but I had to frost the tip. So everything's, everything's cyclical. And so while we're riding this storm and we're going through these various different areas, some people are affected by this a little bit more than others. See, some of the new believers in Messiah, new to some of the Old Testament principles that are there, they don't take these water waves that well. They're like, well, wait a second, if, if you know, the, the tabernacle wasn't here, it's over here. Well, where do we stop? Where do we stop when all of it's said and done? Because, you know, I'm a new believer. I knew that Yeshua is the Messiah. That's one of the things that, that, that I, I have no disputes over. But if everything else in the scripture is, is conspiracy or interpretation or we have this, well, then how do I ever really have a foundation? How do I really have anything that's built on a rock? Everything's built on on the sand. And for me personally, I'd much rather have a house of sticks built on a rock than a mansion built on sand, if that makes any sense to, to any of you that are there. However, we have seen that happen, and just like any type of religion, whether it's Christianity, whether it's the Messianic movement, whether it's Judaism, whether it's whatever. The key ingredient is human beings. Because God changes not. And whether it's Adonai, or whether it's Lord, it's God, whether it's Yahweh, whether it's whatever interpretation that's there, God changes not. So it's the human beings and the theologies and the philosophies of men that lead us into these waves that are there. And we are constantly looking at our brothers and sisters through a lens that is skewed. We're looking at a lens that says, well, there's something more out there. Now, I do believe there's something more out there. I believe there's a lot more out there. I believe there's more out there than we're ever going to know until the day that Messiah returns. However, we're already here. We're already Sabbath keepers. You wouldn't be in this facility. You wouldn't be watching online if you weren't a Sabbath keeper. So you're already in a portion of a religious walk. You already have a set of ideals and beliefs that you believe There's a reason why you're here. The Lord has done something in your life. And for every person, it's a little bit different. And I'm sure if we all were to sit here and have an open round table, if we were to go to 1989 Messianic fellowships, and all we did is midrash over the Torah portion for that day, we would all realize that we all disagree on theology, that we all have various different ideas. However, that's our primary focus at this point in time. In the movement as a whole, the primary focus is on our weaknesses, on our differences. And that's divisive. And so today, I want to look at the noble cause that we struggle with. The noble cause of wanting to obey the Father with everything that we have. Wanting to obtain a certain level of righteousness in our obedience to Him in our life. What does that look like? How are we supposed to do that? Surely the Lord has given us commandments on how to do this. I mean, we are the people of the book, right? We are the people of the commandments. If there's a commandment in that scripture, we're going to find it and we're going to debate it to the death of us. But we're going to do so without any accountability, without wanting any type of authority structure, and without any type of actual end game direction. And so ultimately we're like a bunch of W Duff, WWF oh it's WWE now, sorry, it's showing my age. WWE wrestlers just going into cage matches which is the only reason that's there is just to see who can win. At the end of the day, we're gonna form secret alliances and be buddies and friends and everything. But hey, if we can jump off that rope and hit that person one time with an elbow, awesome. If we can do a sleeper hold, if somebody can get me a folding table and we can be great, but by tomorrow we'll be friends. But that's gone on for a very long period of time. And it almost seems worse with the creation of social media and the creation of the ability for people to, to share their ideals with people that they don't walk in fellowship with on a regular basis. Uh, once again, the lack of accountability, the lack of authority, and the lack of a direction. Now, at HFF, we've been accused sometimes of being just too basic in our, our speakings, too basic in the teachings that we do. And I understand that the Lord is the Lord, that he's created everything we've seen. And do I know whether or not there was a physical burning bush that the Lord appeared to Moses on? No, I don't. I don't know that. But I know that he knows exactly what it was. And all I'm saying is that some of these problems that we see on a regular basis, I believe they become more complicated because we complicate them. Not because the Lord complicates them. Because the Lord is sitting in heaven right now, and he knows exactly what it is. He knows exactly what his intentions were. He knows whether it was a success or a failure. He knows all of those things, because he's the author of all of those. But it is us who is trying to obtain the understanding of exactly what his intent was, why he did this, why this happened, and so on and so on. The same way that we're constantly in our relationships with one another, wanting to figure out, well, why do they like me? Or why don't they like me? Why do they attend our congregation? Why do they not attend our congregation? And it's an ongoing, never-ending cycle of our brain just churning and churning and churning. Being the season that we're in at this point in time, I've now been Passover for Passover uh, for 11 years. This is my 11th. Pesach, every year around this time, I reevaluate the calendar. I reevaluate how I keep the feast. We've been doing it for 11 years. Have I been doing it wrong for 11 years? Well, I don't know. Maybe the Lord would say yes. I don't know. But every year, there's the, this cyclical pattern to reevaluate what you do in your home, reevaluate how you interact with your relationships, re- revisit why you do what you do. Well, one thing that we do well inside the Messianic movement is we're divisive. I paid Daniel to prove my point there. No, I didn't. I didn't. It's a Sabbath, so I didn't pay him. But it's, it's divisiveness. It's like one of our fruits of the Spirit. Even though I don't believe a lot of times the intent is that, we are through trying to share some piece of knowledge we have or some sort of revelation that we had, through how you should raise your kids, how you should not. Nothing's really off limits. Our political system, everything. But I believe all of that is done under the quest to be obedient. We want to be obedient to God. You know, for for years I have heard folks say that the christian church lied to us our pastor lied to us that pastor didn't lie to you any more than i lied to you the truth is is there are certain things we just don't know there's certain things that the lord is growing with us we're not attempting to keep things from you it's not like the vatican vault where we've got all this wealth of knowledge and we've got all of these firsthand accounts and we're like hey you can't come in Nicholas Cage is not running around with some sort of national treasure thing going on. And there's like a piece of wood inside a desk. And that's like the the lost this or that. And here we are as pastors or elders or shepherds or whatever, rabbis, whatever you want to call. I prefer tall guy. But whatever label or title you put on it, there's not a deception here. You know, I've, I've been a Baptist. I've been a Nazarene. I've been an evangelical free. I've been a Presbyterian. I've been a two-houser, I've been a one-houser, I've been a one-new man, I've been a two-sticks in one hand, I've been all over the map. And I've yet to meet somebody whose heart and desire and intent is to deceive. The desire is to be obedient. So surely as we're looking and we're saying, okay, as people of the book, as we're studying, the Lord gives us instructions on how to be obedient, hence the reason why we're here today. One of, the, one of the things we believe that the Lord has told us to do throughout our generations is to honor the Sabbath and to have a holy convocation and to keep it holy. And whether we've been doing that for 20 years of our life or we've been doing that for six months of our life. That's why we're here. To be obedient to the Lord. In the best way we know how. Some people, that's... that's Well, they, they get together in their home. Sometimes they come into a congregation. Some people, that's whatever. Sometimes it's in the morning, it's in the evening. But again... The goal is to be obedient. So, looking at being obedient to the Lord, but knowing that we're a movement that likes to ride these waves. And sometimes those waves steer people completely outside of the movement. Whether it be Mashiach, whether it be um, the Sabbath whether it be any of these things that we believe to be core fundamentals to the messianic faith, sometimes these waves hit these believers who are our brothers and sisters, and it just flat out knocks them out. They're done. And that's our testimony. That's our witness. That's not the Lord. Because the Lord is good. The Lord is just. That's on us. But we're doing so under the... The guise and the intent of wanting to be obedient. So, if you will, for those of you who don't have this memorized, I think you will. Turn with me to Exodus 20. And let's look at how the Lord commanded the Israelites. It says in Exodus 20, it says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, You shall have no other gods than me. I am. I am the Lord. I'm the one who has done these things for you. I am the one who has brought you out of slavery. Now, fast forward to now. Now, We believe that the Lord is the one who brought us out of whatever denomination we were. Maybe the Lord brought us out of the world. We weren't a denomination or we weren't a believer of anything. It is the Lord. He is establishing before he gives us anything. Honor your father or mother. uh, uh, Honor the Sabbath day. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Before he gives us any of the Ten Commandments at Sinai, he establishes first and foremost that I am the Lord your God. I am God. Now, you've got to remember the context of the time frame when the Lord spoke this to Moses. The Hebrews were slaves in the land of Egypt. They were property of the Egyptians, a pharaoh. They were beaten. They were worked to death. They had no real rights. And here the Lord provides a way by sending Moses into Egypt to deliver his people. By bringing them out, they witness the sea parting. They witness the Pharaoh's army being destroyed and wiped out. They witness the pillar of fire. They witness the cloud. They hear audibly the voice of God. So much so that they trembled that they did not want to meet with God. They said, Moses, you go. Witnessing things and manifestations of God that. We don't see right now. On my way here this morning through the sleet and the snow, I did not see him part the sleet and the snow. I believe he was with me. But I didn't see him part the sleet and the snow. I didn't see the Lord give me a lottery ticket so that I could leave from the bondage of slavery, of working a job every single day. There's many ways we can twist. We can have fun with all of that. But ultimately, there's things that these Hebrews saw that we are not seeing. So the Lord manifested himself to them in ways that we have not physically seen with our own eyes in a very short period of time. And then he establishes before any other decrees, I am the Lord, your God. I am the one. I know you guys are scared. You've seen things that you cannot make sense of. I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who protected you. I'm the one who led you. I'm the one who sent the deliverer. I'm the one. So then let's fast forward to the days and the times of Yeshua. Because I personally believe that Yeshua is God. Now, I'm also not smart enough to understand exactly what that means. You know, once again, we talk about the highs and the lows of the Messianic movement. And so some people will say, well, yeah, Yeshua is God, but he's only a manifestation of God in the flesh. He's not fully God. Some will say, well, no, he's not even God at this point in time. He's the prince. And he will be restored to God. And I'm just sitting over here saying, we're not smart enough to understand that because we're not gods. So once again, why are we being divisive? Go all the way back to Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. He didn't say, I am the Lord your God who sent Moses. He didn't say, I am the Lord your God who's going to send this, or I'm going to manifest myself this way. He said, no, I am the Lord your God. I am. That's a pretty definite statement. I am. And so I believe Yeshua is, I am. I believe that with my heart. So, behind, beyond my mortal brains to try to break that down with the, the various thought processes, theologies, philosophies, you know, you got N.T. Wright, you got Howe, you got all these people, Rabbi Sachs, there's all these people out there who have much wiser commentary than I do on the matter. But I just am going to take him at his word that I and the Father are one, the Father has sent me when I get to sit at the table with him and I get to have a conversation with him, you know, after I'm able to get my face out of the dirt because, you know, meeting the one who's allowed you to have life, who's allowed you to even walk to the table, then maybe he'll grant me the honor of sharing some of the wisdom that he has. But I guess if we're going to just stick with the current trend... If Yeshua walked in right now, and this was the wedding feast that's here, what we would like to do is sit him down. We'd like to grill him with our Midrash theologies, with our, our thought processes, and tell him why we disagree with him, because we found this manuscript or this manuscript, or our, our three years of Hebrew. That's not why we were created. It's not what he called us to do. So, when Yeshua was then being tested by the religious leaders of that day. You know, the Pharisees get a bad rap. They really do. The Pharisees get a bad rap. But to think that these were men who devoted their, their entire lives from a very young age to study the ways of God, to study the history, to study the things that had happened before them, they were very intelligent people. They were wise people. And yet, in a time where they have gathered around, some translations say that it was a lawyer, they decided that they were going to test Yeshua. And they said to him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Now, you go through the law, you go through the Ten Commandments, you go through the 613 that are in there, that are are decreed as commandments, there's a lot of good stuff in there. You know, one leads to another, which leads to another. And there's a chain reaction with all of this. And they say, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Now, these are the wisest people of that time frame. These are the people who spent their whole entire life studying the words of Moses. And they're trying to entrap Yeshua. And so he responds to them and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Then he continues and says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. So Exodus 20, the Lord starts off his conversation with Moses and says, I am the Lord your God. Then when Yeshua is asked, he says that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. The first and the second commandment. All right. so any of the kids who want to take part in a little visual here, come on up. Come on, don't be shy. This is going to be more fun. Come on. Frankies, this is not optional for you. It is for everybody else. All right, so I'm going to take Maya and I'm going to take Hannah, and I want you guys to stand right here, okay? Hannah, Frankie, sorry. Maya and Hannah stand right here. All right, so then everybody else, um, you guys line up behind Hannah, Frankie, in a single file line. You guys line up behind Maya, right here, and don't interlap. Don't inter. Have one line, one line. We're going to do we're going to do homeschool playdate. Alright, so hi Evie. Alright, so you guys come over and line up in this line. So you guys are right behind Maya. You guys stay right here. Here, Evie, stand right here behind Eden. Alright, so Yeshua is giving us a fantastic word picture. Yeshua is coming. He's being questioned by by the, the religious elite of that day, some of the smartest men of that time. Once again. Remember, most of the most of the Pharisees that are talked about, they've spent the whole entire life under the tutelage of other wise men. They're smart. They've lived this. This isn't like a three-year-old thing. They became a plumber and then they became a home fellowship pastor and they're messianic and now they're the smartest person under the sun. No, these people studied the Word of God with everything they had for much longer than most of us have. And so, hi, hi. And so... When Yeshua is being asked by them and he's being questioned by them, they say, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, first and foremost, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He then proceeds to say, on these two, all of the law and the prophets hang. All right, so now let me give you a little bit of a, of a, of, of a visual here. We're somewhere in here, in our walk. We're somewhere here in the middle. We've got, we got a couple of kids up here. we got a couple of kids back here. And we're kind of just moving around freely in here. You know, we're studying some philosophies, some theologies. We're coming to Sabbath service. We're pouring our wine. We're breaking challah on every day except for the last seven. And we're somewhere in this area trying to be obedient to God, trying to understand what He has called us to do. And yet, in this area where we're at right now, sometimes we're high on the waves, and sometimes we're low on the waves. Well, all of these back here hang off of these two. And so... You've heard it say, well, out of the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, there are a certain percentage of those that completely have nothing to do with anything other than temple service. And there's no temple, so thus we can't do it. All right, so everybody from here back, go ahead, sit down. Thank you, guys. Well, I'm a man. I'm a man. And so all of the commandments in the Old Testament that have to do with a woman and what a woman should do in in that, um, well, they don't even apply to me. All right, so you guys from here, nor are you guys back. Go ahead, sit down. And so now we're stuck with whatever the commandments are that are applicable to us at this point in time, whether you're a male or you're female, whether you believe we are the temple or we're not. I mean, hopefully you're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to have a steak and then eat it and say, well, this is this is the temple. I'm sacrificing it in the altar. I think that's a little borderline blasphemous. I don't think that's a principle in the parable he was teaching there. But like we have a limited amount. So these don't even apply to us in what we do. But still at the head of all of this are two. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, because all of these hang off of that. according to Yeshua. All right guys, you guys can go back to your seats. Thank you. Now Matthew and Mark both also testify to this exchange. He testifies to this interaction with with the leadership of that day. So there's already multiple conversations talking about what witnessed and what took place. This is kind of a revolutionary thing because all the Hebrews at that point in time, they they were under the leadership of the religious leadership of that day. And it had been for many years, all the way back to Moses and so on and so on. Yet, at the end of all of that, here comes Yeshua, the Son of God, God, And he states something different. Now, he could have word-for-worded it. He could have word-for-worded the Ten Commandments, whatever. He stated something different. Why did he state something different? Because ultimately, I believe, just like in that day, just like in the day that we're in here right now, somewhere along the line, we missed the point of why we're here. Somewhere along the line, we became theological professors without studying. We became hard-hearted and non-loving. We became things that we were never supposed to do because we couldn't stay in our lane. Now, I also find it very interesting that Yeshua, in replying to them, because obviously they're questioning whether or not Yeshua is even Messiah, whether he's even relevant to speak at this point in time. He quotes the Shema. Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. He quotes back to say, hey, look, I'm not some new radical here. I understand what you've been taught. I understand what you've been asked to do. And by the way, I'm going to just go ahead and slide that into you right now while we're talking about this, so that hopefully you will listen to me. Let me teach you something. But as we saw here, I think when we get back into here, this is where we're sidetracked. This is where we get into those waves, because somewhere along the line, those 613, let alone the 1050 that were spoken in the New Testament, have become much more important than the pillars by which they hang off. See, right now, there's two big issues that take place here. Either Yeshua is the Messiah or He is not. Now, if He is not the Messiah, then it's absolutely irrelevant. The conversation's done. Go on your way. Do whatever you think you need to do. Whether that's Judaism, whether that's atheism, whatever. But if Yeshua is the Messiah, then the lawgiver gives us the two by which all the rest hang off of. And we're down in here, and somewhere along the line... We screwed up with the two. Somewhere along the line, we got sidetracked. We got sidetracked. Because I believe we actually do love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. I also believe we love our neighbor as ourselves. I believe we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. The broken heart. You know, the one, the one that had a wrongdoing and we've not let it go. You know, the one that can't reconcile a broken relationship. You know, the one that died a little bit as a child because they were abused. Whether it was sexually or it was emotionally or it was mentally That heart, all of that heart, that's got that chamber portion of it cut off and torn apart because it never was healed. Because you see, normally what happens is as we've been hurt or as we've been wronged, we do one of two things. We either completely divert our attention... To the other side, and we start just, we're going to help whoever we can, whatever. And we don't deal with the things that actually took place in our own heart. We don't come to a place of deliverance where the Lord has set us free. And that turns to bitterness. It turns to anger. And just like a cancer or any type of bacteria or anything, it grows in your body. It grows in your mind. And we search for other things to take care of it how's that any different than an alcoholic? How's that any different than somebody who's a substance abuser? There's a root issue. There's something, some to, sort of traumatic event that's happened in their life, and they use a substance of some sort to mask what happened to them. Now, we're no different. Maybe you were mentally abused by somebody. Maybe you were, Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe you've never had the closure in those things that you need. And yet we turn and we look at an alcoholic and we say, oh man, at least I'm not like that dude. Why can't that guy just be saved and delivered? But we're guilty of the same exact thing. We're just using a different type of scenario in our own life to mask the same problem. And we do it under the guise of, I'm smarter religiously than you. I'm holier. I'm more spiritually minded. Whatever it is. It's kind of like saying the Lord told me something. The moment you say that, the conversation's done. Because if I take issue with that, if the Lord told me something different, then I'm actually saying the Lord's a liar. So we know how to win an argument. We know how to prove a point. We know how to manipulate these situations. That's the heart we love the Lord our God with, all of. And the moment that God does not do something that we like, we're like, God, are you even here? God, are you even talking to me? Are you even listening? God's never been the problem. There are pages and pages and witness accounts of us being the problem. All the way back to the Hebrews. If we are modern day Hebrews, whether that's by blood or that's by grafting in. We're guilty of the same thing. Now, I also believe we love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, we love our neighbor as ourselves. you know, because every morning when I wake up and I look in the mirror, I said, man, what happened to that guy who didn't have the crow's feet? I'm going to put a shirt on and I say, man, what happened to that guy who used to be skinny? Man, what happened to that guy who used to be good looking? That's how we love our neighbor. Because the truth is, is we don't see ourselves the way that the Lord sees us. We've all said things that we hate came out of our mouth. We've all done things that we can't believe we have done. And it rocks us to our core. And we hate that. And once again, a little bit of us dies inside. And let alone if it's actually done to you. Why is divorce so prevalent amongst believers? Why is there a lack of trust between male and female? Why is there abuse inside the body of Messiah? Because the truth is, we don't love ourselves. We're broken. We don't love other people the way God told us. We love them the way that we've been shown. Now, maybe you have been abused. Maybe somebody was emotionally abusive to you. Maybe somebody was verbally abusive to you. And that doesn't even start to say what then comes out of that anxiety, depression. Uh, Sometimes it's weight loss and eating disorders. Sometimes it's more because ultimately the whole chemical balance of how we think is altered in traumatic situations. This isn't a one and done, folks. We're humans. We have hearts. We have minds. We have souls. We have bodies. There's repercussions to the things we do. I got a tattoo when I was 18 years old. That thing's never going away. It's never going away now. All because I made one decision for one time. And that's who we are. Like it or not, that's who we are. We're broken. We're traumatized. And for some of you, you're never going to be able to get outside of that unless that person comes and makes amends. Well, let me tell you, they're probably not coming to make amends at this point in time in your life on behalf of every one of the fathers that has failed you, on behalf of every one of the husbands that has not done their job, let me apologize for them because they're probably not coming back. And so you're allowing them to continue to break you every single day of your life, break your relationship with God, break your relationship with people, break your relationship with your new spouse, break your relationship with your children, all because this person sinned against you. They're not coming back. So you have to come to a place in time where you understand that that person, that person was broken too. And you have to release them into the hands of the same father that you have been released into. In order for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and not have the same problems we have right now, we have to first look inside ourselves and remove those problems. Because once again, on the picture that we just saw here with all the children, we're back here, but we were skewed when we got in here. So... When we say we are keeping the commandments I do love the Lord my God With all my heart, my soul, and my mind You're absolutely right But only 30% of your heart is working Only 30% of your heart is capable to love In the way it was designed to do And some of us are walking around And we're just dragging it We're just dragging it along That's my past That's my hurt Right here. Don't get too close. You might trip over my past and my hurt. And I don't, I'm not trying to mock your past and your hurt, but what I'm trying to tell you is that the Lord has provided a way for you to get past that. And if you can get past that and you can be delivered from that and you can release those people, there's so much in front of you. Maybe you lost your spouse. Your life is not over. God has allowed you to be here. Maybe, maybe your spouse left you and divorced you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a mother, a brother, a sister, whatever. You're still here. Why are you allowing something that has taken place years ago to alter the effects of your relationship with the Lord and your brothers and sisters now? Why? Because you've not been healed of it. You haven't been healed of it because you have not released it to God. You're expecting that person to come back and change. And when that person comes back and change, then you get that little bit of vengeance in your heart. It's like, yes! Yes! And they're still out there doing whatever it was they were doing to somebody new, and they're not coming back. So, we cannot allow our relationship with the Lord to be dictated by that. Unfortunately, the reason why we have the waves we have inside the Messianic, Hebrew roots, Hebraic roots movement is because of all that. Now, they won't talk about it. They won't talk about the relationships of individuals that was broken and the theologies that changed and all of that. But we're here today because somebody couldn't get along 20 years ago. Or somebody couldn't respect another person. And by the way, none of this is new. We try to act like the Messianic movement's new. None of it's new. We try to act like the Messianic movement is supposed to be this, 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 this. The Messianic movement is about Messiah. Stop defining God. He doesn't need you to define Him. He did a great job defining Him. Start looking for Him to be able to change you. Because for too long we've worried about other people. For too long we've worried about them repenting when we're the ones in need of repentance. For too long we've held on to things that the Lord has asked us to release a long time ago. You want to see divorce rates go down? You want to see broken families go down? You want to see church splits and all these things go down? Stop loving our neighbors and God with the same things that we love ourselves with. God, we, we love you except for the love handles, which in God's world is the fact that he didn't give us some sort of financial thing or he didn't provide this or he didn't give me arms like Stephen or whatever it is. It's something that's a deficiency. God's not deficient, never was deficient. We're deficient and the problem is, is that we continue to exacerbate the problem with our own deficiencies we judge the guy who's standing on the corner holding the sign I think he might be an alcoholic well you verbally abuse your wife you're rude to your children which one's worse We've come up with some awesome scale, some awesome thing that doesn't exist in the eyes of God. But it does in our world. And it's getting silly. It's down to a kippah, to lead, to star David, no star David, don't use a cross. Do use a cross, it was a tree, whatever. It's literally down to the point where everything. And it just affects our witness. We're the ones causing confusion. I I firmly believe that the devil has been on a vacation in Hawaii for a long period of time because he doesn't need to be involved in anything. We're just good enough to take care of it for him. I do believe we're keeping the commandment, but I believe we're keeping the commandment wrong. Because I believe that we were supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind the way he intended us to. Not the way we love our mom and dad. But we're like, but man, if they just could have changed this in how they raised me. That's how we treat God. And that's how we treat our neighbor. Oh, you're not Messianic? Oh. Oh. Oh, you're a Messianic Jew? Do you believe in in Jesus? all the same type of stuff we're trying to find ways to divide the flock that God is attempting to bring together if we would realize that at the end of the day it is us who has been hurt it is us who has been wronged it is us who needs deliverance from these things and then and only then fall on our face before God and allow him to completely revolutionize our hearts think of what he could do through each and every one of us You don't need a pulpit. Yeshua didn't have a pulpit. You don't need money. Yeshua didn't have money. All you need is God. He is going to be the one who calls you. But the problem is, is we're all over these waves at this point in time, and if we could get those things right, I think that our understanding, the deeper things in the Torah, the principles of the prophets, the metaphors that are spoken, if we could get those things right, I think that the Father would reveal more things to us. Because then we'd actually be able to look through the lens the Lord originally intended us for, uh, to be able to look and see things through. Not through the lens of the Father who abused us, or the husband who left us, or the best friend who stole from us, or whatever it was that's there. And that's how you're looking at everybody else that's there. Because you've built up a wall. You wouldn't judge the person at the homeless shelter. You wouldn't judge the orphan. You wouldn't judge the teachers on strike. You wouldn't judge everybody that's out there. Through the same lens that you judge yourself when you wake up in the morning. Which is, my hair isn't nice, or I don't have enough money, or my car is not as nice as this person, or whatever. It's all deficiencies. It's all negative, and God was not negative. That's not what he was about. Yeshua said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself." Whatever power of darkness has robbed you of seeing yourself in the way that God created you to be, it's already been defeated. Depending upon what calendar you're in, the sunset tonight it will start the Feast of First Fruits. Some people, some of the calendars, it's already happened. But for the sake of today, and for the sake of my family, who is keeping First Fruits tomorrow, it's been defeated. See, in a couple of hours, Yeshua is going to come forth from that tomb, and He is going to memorialize the greatest single event that ever took place in creation. And that was the moment that the defeat of the adversary took place. And death was defeated. The darkness was defeated. Eternal life for all was granted to come in. The covenant was established. Just like Yeshua at that point in time delivered all from the bondage of sin and death. God can deliver us every single day. So I'm going to do something that's not normally done inside a Messianic congregation. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take a second and I'm going to ask for for the sound guys to turn some music on. And we're going to open up the, the altar space You don't have to come forward. If you don't want you can pray at your seats. The Lord is not confined to this altar. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to go before the Lord and ask Him if there's something in your heart, something that has happened in your life that has prohibited you from loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind the way that He intended and loving your neighbor as yourself. Because the truth is is that nothing I say is important. If that is in your life and it's blocking your relationship with the Lord, that needs to be removed and only God can do that. I cannot. Maybe you're in this congregation and while you've been keeping Sabbath and you've been professing that Jesus is Messiah, maybe you've never actually asked Him to be your salvation. I don't know. I don't know what's, what, what's going on in your life, just as much as you don't know all of my background. I get a chance to tell you a little bit more because I get to stand up here a little bit more. But maybe there are those things in your individual life that have caused those problems for you. That have left you at a place today where you do look through a skewed lens. Where you do see the differences and the deficiencies of others first and foremost. And if that's the case, we're going to take a couple of minutes and we're going to take some time and just allow you to come and pray. Come and talk with the Father. Seek His deliverance. Seek His guidance. Seek His renewal and His salvation. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. And keep and be obedient of everything else to the best of your ability. But if you screwed up on those, then I would humbly submit to you that you are walking in an imperfect manner and all the rest. That's why I believe that Yeshua said that. Because the religious leaders of that day, they weren't stupid. They weren't deceitful. They spent their whole entire life studying Trying to understand what Moses meant, how to walk them out in a completely different culture. And they did their best, but their best was not God. Their best wisdom, their best discernment was not God. And God stepped in and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And see, I believe we have been keeping that, but I believe the way we've been keeping that is flawed, and thus everything else we're doing is flawed. I believe that if we can look at our neighbor the way that God looks at our neighbor, and we can look at God not from our husbands or our wives or our children or our bosses or whatever. We can look at God as God. I believe that you can be set free and I believe you can revolutionize your life. So we're going to take a couple minutes here. We're going to turn some music on in the background for you and give you an opportunity to pray. pray. If you need one of the elders or would like one of the elders to pray with you, we'll be down here. We will definitely pray with you. But you can obviously pray as, as a family, pray individually. Um, well, let's ask the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to remove these things that we have been dragging around like this music stand. To deliver us from those wrongdoings and help us to see His creation as the new creation it was intended to be. Because ultimately our goal is to usher in the kingdom of God here. And the kingdom of God is not going to have mental abuse It's not going to have verbal abuse. It's not going to have the divorce and the hurts and the wrongdoings that are there. It's going to be perfection. And just like Luke 10 says, He is already preparing the wedding feast for us. He's already sent out the invitations. And yet some were just way too busy. They went back to their farms. They went back to their jobs. They just chose not to come. And he sent his servants out in the streets to get them and bring them in. And even then, some would not accept the garb to come. The invites have been set. The Lord is coming back when he wants to. And the feast is going to happen. The question is, is are we going to return to our farms and miss it? Are we going to return to our places of work and miss it? Or are we going to be the ones that are the servants that he sends into the streets to go get any person and bring them to him? That's not the people who we think are holy. That's anyone. He came for everyone anyone who would accept. Let's go ahead and pray.
1: She will sing, she will sing.
5: Dear Heavenly Father, you for this day, for this Shabbat. Father, we know this world is not perfect, but we know that you are. We know that there is a coming day when you will bring your kingdom to this earth. All the answers we have, You will bring. Father, the bitterness, the divisiveness, the anxiety, the depression. Father, we ask for your deliverance in our lives. That we would read back on the The parables and the stories that you have given us. And take heart in knowing that you can take anyone and use them for your good. For Father, our goal is not to be messianic. Our goal is not to be Hebrew roots. Our goal is not to be a label. Our goal is to be invited to the table. Of the wedding feast with the Lamb. To bring honor and glory to you. In everything that we do Father. To understand. Your commandments. And to walk them to the best of our ability. Father we love you. We praise you. And we give you all the honor and the glory. For you alone, Father, are worthy of that praise. For it's in the name of Yeshua we humbly come before you. Amen and Amen. If you guys would stand with me, we're going to close this week by the singing of the Shema. We'll turn and face to east. Shema Yisrael I don't know, I don't know,
1: Leolah
5: Yeshua HaMashiach who Adonai Hear, o Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be His name, whose kingdom is forever and ever. Yeshua the Messiah, He is Lord. Amen and Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everybody.